You are listening to an MLGA Network podcast. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again, the best damn liberty podcast that you've never heard of. Chuck and I will be your guides as we peer into the ridiculous reality that is our society and our government. Let's get to it. Welcome to Make Liberty Great Again. I'm your host, Cam Harless, and with me, for now and always, is Chuck, the bodies in the trunk, to Groot. How, how you doing, Chuck? Uh, you know, can't complain. Actually, uh, pretty fired up today because I did my uh, federal uh, theft returns. Oh. Is that what you call them, yep. returns? I don't know. I filed for <laughs> federal theft, and every time I do that, every year... I'm not looking forward to it. And then when I do it, I just, I'm pissed off for the rest of the day. So, uh, yeah, that's the <laughs> Chuck that you get today. <laughs> Did they get you pretty good this year? You know, last year, I don't know why, but I was one of the ones that that really got a, a nice uh, refund from whatever, you know, changes Trump enacted. This year, I'm, I'm still getting a decent refund, but uh, not quite what it was last year. And I actually owe the state money, uh, the South Carolina. I owe some some money to South Carolina, which is pretty frustrating. I don't know what changed there, but I I'm self employed, so I have to do the uh, you know estimated taxes every quarter, which you have to do now, right? Uh, I just kind of s- save a certain percentage of my money and hope for the best. Yeah, I so I pay the estimated every quarter. You know, so I I never owe anything at the end of the year. I always get something back. But just because I'm self-employed and I have a little bit of a complex tax situation, it takes a while to do. And it's so frustrating. You know, if like if you're going to steal from us, at least make it easy on us. You know, yeah, (laughs) don't make don't make us do a ton of work. Send a bill. Yeah, it's like that that meme out there. So how do taxes work? It's like, oh, well. You uh, you do your taxes, and they're like, oh, do they send you the amount that you owe? Oh, no. So do they know the amount you owe? Oh, definitely. So what happens? You have to do it and send it over to them. Yeah, and I have to make sure I guess the right amount. Otherwise, I go to jail. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like I, I And I get so stressed <laughs> out about it, too, that like, because I, you know, this isn't, I, I'm an artist for a living, so this isn't my area of expertise. And like, just the financial mumbo jumbo language and government, you know, s- schedule C, form 1099KT. You know, it's like, <laughs> what? How am I supposed to know what this stuff is? It's crazy. I'm, I just, luckily, I have enough kids that it kind of helps out with the, the tax situation. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, oh, well, you know, I have, I have four of these things. And they're like, oh, okay, well, we'll give you a little money for each of them. I feel uh, like they're buying my children, though. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have any of that going for me, but uh you know, whatever. The the longer we talk about it, the more angry I'm going to get. So uh why don't we get into uh <laughs> why don't we get into the first story? First off, I did want to just say you're officially becoming permanent co-host of this this show, and I feel like we should celebrate that in some way. What did you have in mind? I don't know. Maybe if you said like "yeehaw" or or something, oh, something you American. don't you don't know me very well. If you think <laughs> I'm going to say anything like that, um, well, I mean, you could say "yee yee" if you really liked, if you really wanted to. 
Yeah. And you say permanent co-host, but that's just until I succumb to the coronavirus that's just coursing through my veins right now. I'm convinced (laughs) of it. Well, that's the thing, because since I live in this stupid city, because all cities are stupid, I know that I've come in contact with it because there's just no way that I haven't. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like there are too many people here in too close a proximity for me not to have. And then what, two or three weeks ago, my whole family got sick and now I'm going well, those symptoms look a lot like what we had. <laughs> Did I have the coronavirus? See, you, they have you right where they want you, dude. They, they want you panicking like this. Well, what's funny is I'm not panicking. I'm good. But I go to the store because I, I'm not one to panic. And I just want to get a, uh, a corned beef brisket so that I can make some Irish food on St. Patrick's Day this week. And I swear to God. I've never been to a, such an empty Costco in my life. When did you go? Today. Just today. Oh, this, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was just like, because I'm not panicking. I, I bought water last week. I got toilet paper two months ago from Costco. So we're still good for a couple months. And so I'm not freaking out. I just want to get some groceries for this week. <laughs> and it's like Costco normally has in the back this giant wall of paper towels toilet paper, mm-hmm. et cetera. All of that was gone. Yeah. And they had made a, like a an imp, kind of impromptu garden center in the back of the Costco. They also ran, ran out of all chicken. So like chicken breasts, things wow. like that. So where the chicken normally was in Costco, which we were going to get some because, you know, it's a normal week, need some chicken. And th- they had all the kombucha that they couldn't sell where the chicken normally is. <laughs> So, so how, how long do you think your, your food supplies are going to last at this point? Did you like, did you, do you have like reserves to last you a while or are you just kind of playing it by year and you got a, you know, a couple weeks or something? Well, I mean, I've got a, I've got a couple weeks of food, but it's not, I'm not a prepper. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not afraid of much. And so it's like, I have a normal amount of food. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, we do too. Like like everything, <laughs> we actually. So we live in Charleston, and you know, every year we get hurricanes that you know uh, everybody starts freaking out about. So we're kind of used to acting as though we're going to prep for something, and then when yeah. when it comes down to it, we just go and we buy like a ton of snacks, like you know, like <laughs> potato <laughs> chips and like you know, uh, tasty cakes and stuff. Which, by the way, now that you're in Pennsylvania, actually in Allentown, you guys have to have all the varieties of tasty cakes available to you. And let yeah. me tell you something. You got to try them all, dude, because we don't. <laughs> I grew up in Pennsylvania. We do not have tasty cakes in Charleston. We Sometimes we get like the little packs of donuts or, or other things. But like yeah. tasty cakes, like miss me with that hostess garbage. Little Debbie, get real. <laughs> Tasty cakes are by far where it's at. In fact, I, I should quit this podcast and just do a podcast about Tasty Cakes because I could talk about them <laughs> all day long. So anyway, you're, you're living where you have easy access to them and you need to take advantage. Do you want me to send you some Tasty Cakes? I, ordinarily, I would say yes. But you just told me that you have coronavirus, A. And B, um, (laughs) believe it or not, my mom 
periodically sends down like a care package to us with like a, a like a huge box just packed with all kinds of different tasty cakes and it lasts us a while um every once in a while i'll just like you know the ups guy will show up or the post office dude and i'll go out and there'll just be like a giant box filled with tasty cakes it's pretty awesome <laughs> well one of the like that's my thing is when i've been in different areas visiting living whatever um I always try to find the local food and try it. And so one of the things that I've noticed in a lot of stores here is ring bologna. I never saw ring bologna down in the South. Do you know what I'm talking about? I, no, I don't even know what it is. I've never seen so much ring bologna in my life. It's like, you know, do you know what summer sausage is? I, I've heard it, but I don't know what it is. I've heard of it. Well, it's just, it's just a, a long bologna that you cut up yourself here. Mm-hmm. And today I was like... Well, this kind of weirds me out, but I got one so I could try it. It's pretty good. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the whole point. I, I tried weird bologna today, and I wanted you to know that. It's, it's funny that we're talking about bologna because uh, my wife and I, like a couple weeks ago, we were just like, you know what we should get? Some bologna from the deli counter. Like we never eat bologna, but like we just got a yeah. hankering for some deli counter bologna. And we got like a half pound and we blew through it so fast because it was so good to us. So we went back and got like another full pound. We blew through that. We're like obsessed with bologna all of a sudden out of nowhere. <laughs> Do you, have you ever done fried bologna? Oh, yeah. When I was a kid, okay, yeah, good. all the time. Well, one of the things that my mom would make when we were especially poor that week uh, was what, we, what she'd call bologna boats. Do you know what a bologna boat is? No. Okay, so a bolo- so you know when you make fried bologna, you uh, essentially cut like two, three to four corners so that it stays flat when you're cooking it. Mm-hmm. But when you make bologna boats, you don't cut it so that it makes a a cup shape. And so when you're poor and you don't have a lot of money, what your mom does is she makes a bologna cup, a bologna boat, puts mashed potatoes in it and cheese on top, and that's a cheap dinner. Oh my god, that sounds delicious <laughs> to me. <laughs> you should try it. It's good, but it's 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 uh it's one of the better uses of Alabama steak. <laughs> yeah, uh that sounds like right up my alley. I don't have fancy tastes <laughs> at all. It was so funny cuz when like when we'd have those moments and we we had our poor times when I was when I was younger, like we would get, I forget what it was, but it was it was something mi- middle of the road, and my dad was like, "Boy, you've got champagne tastes on a on a beer budget," and I was like, "No, Dad, I have beer tastes on a water budget." And he was like, "Well, I hate you." <laughs> <laughs> no, he didn't say that. That he he, did, he waited to tell me that he hated me for m- many more years. Well, now I'm uncomfortable, and you've derailed this whole thing. <laughs> I quit. You should you should feel uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as I felt when my dad told me he didn't love me anymore. Oh my god! Well, that's the show. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Uh, so, first story is just a a follow up from last week when we talked about uh, Weinstein's sexy body. Mm-hmm. He actually was sentenced just right after we we recorded that episode. He, you know, it was from five to 25 years and they chose 23 years. So they almost maxed him out. Why wouldn't they? 
What, I was don't there, know. You haven't read any reasoning behind that? I, I didn't even, that didn't even occur to me until you just said it. Well, I know that this was really the first Me Too guy, first guy who got caught up in the Me Too movement. And it's really kind of a watershed moment for that movement. And so they were really pushing for that maximum sentence, which I read somewhere that was actually 29 years, but I saw 25. So I'm I'm going with my what I read originally, which is 25. But like, if I had to guess, I would say that the judge who sentenced him wanted to take it down just a little bit, so it didn't look like he was just caving to mm-hmm. the Me Too people. But mm-hmm. I, I I don't know. I haven't read any theories to that. People just kind of took it as it was. Well, it's I'm glad to hear that he got close to the maximum. What a what a creep that dude is. Did you see like the the pictures of him or videos when he was actually in the courtroom? I I did see some. Yeah, because he he went from like being able to walk to using a walker to move around, I guess, to make himself look weaker. And then when he was being sentenced, he actually was he was wheeled in using a um, a wheelchair. What the heck is going on? You think this was all just a, a ploy? Well, I I do think that defense lawyers are smart enough to try to make their clients as sympathetic as possible. Mm-hmm. And so I, I feel like that's probably a part of it is they wanted him to appear sympathetic. But they also said that he's kind of been going between Rikers and the doctor because he had to have some stent surgery. There's no telling. But of course, that that's always something they want. They want someone who looks weak and can't handle 23 years in prison. Right. Wow. One of the things that was interesting to me is uh, what was that guy's name? Is it Isaac Cappy? Anthony Cappy? Uh, Isaac. Yeah, Isaac Cappy. Isaac. Okay, I got it right the first time. You introduced me to him, but he was one of those that was outing pedophiles in Hollywood, including who was it? Uh, uh, Seth, Seth Green. Green. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually I'm glad you brought that up because I I wanted to talk about that a little bit and then it totally slipped my mind until now. But yeah, Seth Green and the other one was the guy that directed Guardians of the Galaxy, Gunn. Well, I don't, I don't remember oh, James his first Gunn. name. Yeah, James Gunn, yeah. So he was like outing people on Twitter and in some like YouTube videos and stuff. And Isaac Cappy, most people probably wouldn't recognize the name at all, but he is an actor and he has done some like small bit parts in some movies. Like apparently- Was he in Thor? Yeah, so apparently he was in the first Thor movie and he was um, just played like a store clerk or something. But he's kind of like, he's been in stuff here and there. I think one of those, you know, I don't know, like beer fest movies or something. I I don't remember. So he's been in a few things. So he's kind of in Hollywood circles. And yeah, he just started calling people out and then he winds up dead under, under very mysterious circumstances that a lot of people just really don't think it adds up. He's, he's got, you know, he had some problems, you know, he, I, I don't think, you know, he, he didn't quite have his life together. I don't think, but the way that he was found and I think they ruled it a suicide just seemed suspicious at the time, especially after all the people that he was outing. It's funny how that happens. Yeah. seems to happen a lot uh, with the Clintons particularly. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I, I, I don't, like, uh, what's his name? Um, who was the guy in the um, Clinton administration who killed himself? Vince Foster. It was really interesting that Vince Foster was the point man for the Waco massacre, and then he ended up dead. And then a box of files about the Waco massacre were taken out of his office by 
the um, chief of staff to Hillary Clinton and delivered to the presidential residence. Hmm. They just happened to be taken out the day that yeah. he died. How how interesting. Yeah, dude, there's so, so much shady shit that goes on. And I, I have to say that I think, you know, this isn't a unique take, obviously. I think most people probably feel this way. But, you know, with the Weinstein thing and, you know, Isaac Cappy and stuff, I think this stuff, this pedophilia stuff is pervasive in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. I think a lot more people could be outed. And, you know, I don't know that people are going to come forward, um, you know, with with things like what's going on with Isaac Cappy, but or what happened to Isaac Cappy. But we did just have that Corey Feldman movie a few days ago. Yeah, which which apparently started playing and then stopped. Yeah, I, I read about that. Now, I wasn't going to pay whatever the exorbitant fee was. I think it was $20. I figured I, I'll, I'll pro- procure it by other means uh, when the time comes. But yeah, I heard some, some shady stuff went on with that. And then the other thing is that Feldman, he, he had been saying, like, I'm going to name names. And the name that he ends up naming is Charlie Sheen, who he claims raped Corey Haim when Charlie Sheen was like 19 and Haim was like 14. But we, we had actually heard that accusation before. That wasn't anything new. Yeah. Apparently there was nothing new and it was just that it's one of those things where I do believe there's some pedophilia stuff going on. I feel like it's pretty apparent mm-hmm. that there are people in Hollywood, the elites and people with a lot of money with strange tastes, evil tastes, depraved tastes, who have the money to get what they want. But I hate that it's Corey Feldman. <laughs> I mean, it's very clear that that kid was touched because of how weird he is. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's hard to legitimize anything around Corey Feldman. Right. If you're looking <laughs> for... A, a little bit of a deeper dive into that kind of stuff. Have you seen, there's, there's a movie called, I believe it's called An Open Secret. And it's a documentary that was made about pedophilia in Hollywood. And I, I assume it probably names some of the same names that Feldman did in his documentary. But this came out uh, years ago, like four years ago. And it's actually a really well done documentary, but they couldn't get funding for it. You know, which that to to release it for a broad release which yeah. doesn't surprise get distribution yeah yeah which doesn't surprise me but it is available on vimeo so if you search for an open secret on vimeo you can watch that documentary and man it is it's it's tough to watch at times it you know there's interviews with a bunch of child actors and you know it's it's i like i said i think it it kind of runs deep in hollywood and, um, you know, hopefully more of it comes to light. I don't know why I'm so, you know, I, I don't know that I'm fascinated by it, but it's it's something that has my attention and I, I'm constantly kind of looking into it. I think I one of the reasons is that I'm kind of like anti celebrity culture, you know, like this fascination yeah. that we have with celebrity and, you know, uh, the way people revere celebrities. So like anytime you know, the stuff like this comes out and we can knock them down a peg. I'm pretty happy about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll try to find a link to that and I'll actually put it in the show notes. So if anyone wants to watch that, I'll have a link to it in the show notes for them to find. But yeah, you, you know who I think was probably mishandled as a kid, as a child actor who would, uh, who I really, I, I really wish he would say something. 
Macaulay Culkin. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I think Macaulay every, Culkin. Look at that guy. I know. I think everybody feels that way about him, man. Like, it's he got so weird for so long. And remember the thing in the 90s where he, like, emancipated himself from his family, from his parents? I didn't remember that, but it would make sense. Yeah, I swear that there was a thing where he, like, it was, it was a big thing, like, uh, Macaulay Culkin divorces his parents. But yeah, he's definitely been through some stuff and like so many child well, He actors. was really close with Michael Jackson. Oh, yeah. Oh, that that documentary. I couldn't even get through it. I had to turn it off after a I, while. I didn't finish it. Yeah. It's, uh, that's a but no, you, you know that guy has some stories to tell. Mm-hmm. I mean, for years he looked like he was on meth mm-hmm. and he looked... I mean, he looked like a homeless person. And now he's kind of turning his life around, it seems. And I forget what it was. He was in some show not that long ago. And um, I was like, wow, he actually is looking like a human being again. Yeah, for a while he did not. (laughs) Yeah, he also decided, I thought it was funny. Uh, Like last year, he decided to have a poll of, because he was going to change his middle name because he didn't like what it was. I forget what his middle name was. But he was going to change his middle name. And so he had people vote on what his new middle name should be. And the people landed on his new middle name being Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> so he has he has said that he is going to legally change his name to Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. That's awesome. And I, th- I think that's great. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> if, if you're looking, you know, this is all pretty depressing stuff that we're talking about, but... On the brighter side of Macaulay Culkin history, there's a, a show on Netflix. I think it's called The Movies That Made Us. And there's an episode yeah. about Home Alone and the production and all the kind of the nonsense that they had to go through to make that movie. And it's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, they had to jump through some hoops to, to even get it made. And nobody thought it was going to be successful. And then in the end, it turns into one of the biggest Christmas movies of all time. Not to mention that in the second movie, the president is in it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and people went right after Trump was elected and it hit Christmas season. So right, right after November of 2016, people popped in Home Alone 2 and they go, shit. Yeah, <laughs> they, were, they were petitioning <laughs> some of the stations to edit him out, edit him out of the movie. <laughs> Ridiculous. That's like, that's Trump derangement syndrome at its finest. Like we can't even, you have to edit him out of our movies. We can't even look at him anymore. (laughs) Pathetic. But speaking of Trump derangement syndrome, I do think we should just do a real quick update on the democratic field and what's going on there. Um, Did you like that segue? Yeah. I mean, it didn't make any sense because you said, speaking of Trump derangement syndrome, let's talk about. The primaries? The Democratic primary. I think that's a stretch. I don't know. Yeah, well, how many tr- how many Democrats have Trump derangements? Be better is all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. So uh, the basics are boring as hell. Uh, Biden's still in the lead by, what, about 150 delegates. They have to hit one, uh, 1,991 to actually get uh, nominated on the first ballot. Blah, blah, blah. Tulsi Gabbard now has two delegates. But yeah, I mean, it's boring because it's the primaries. But there are some interesting stories around it that I'd love to touch on. I I know I say it a lot, but 
it's, it comes from Michael Malice, but the corporate press is the enemy of the people. Mm-hmm. And this last week, which is weird because the story was actually put out, it looked like on February 18th, but the Washington Post put out a, an opinion piece, an op-ed that was titled, It's Time to Give the Elites a Bigger Say in Choosing the President. F off. <laughs> And then didn't they promptly change the headline? To, there, were, there was yeah. so much outrage over that uh, headline that they changed it? Yeah, they, they, they actually they did change it to um, it's time to switch to preference primaries. Right. Which is a lot. I mean, the, the, I feel like what was so beautiful about the original headline is that mask of objectivity and not being the enemy. Just started to slip. Exactly. They were telling the truth for a second. Yep. Yeah, I, I actually read through that article. And the argument is that essentially, if you boil it down, is that the primary system as it is right now doesn't work. It shows which candidates might be able to work hard enough and get the votes to become president. But you end up with bad candidates. See Donald Trump in 2016. So it's time to let the elites do a little bit more. And essentially, they just the article is saying that they should have non-binding primaries for the Democrats so that they can list their preferences from 1 to 10 or 1 to 20 or whatever. And then they give those to the delegates who end up being the ones who vote, but they're not, like I said, they're not bound to the people's choice. Right. So this this woman who wrote this article has decided that the the system is rigged right now because we have all this super delegate nonsense, which is basically, if I recall correctly, <laughs> how Hillary Clinton got nominated. Um, yep. But it's not rigged well enough for the elites. So mm-hmm. let's rig it a little better and just we'll, we'll just outright say that all delegates get to choose who the nominee is going to be and they're not bound to their constituency. Right. What they're saying is, we can't let Bernie Sanders happen again. He's gotten too close too many times now. Yes. <laughs> we can't let this happen. Yeah. And, and the, this article, if I recall correctly, it was written back when Biden or back when Sanders had some momentum. Was winning. Still. So yeah. if, if she had just waited a couple weeks until now where Biden is the clear front runner and likely in all likelihood, going to win the nomination, she wouldn't have had to have let the mask slip a little bit, which, you know, this article yeah. would not have been written and the mask would still be firmly in place. And I, I, as I was reading it, because, you know, it's an op-ed and they changed the name of it, I was like, maybe the meat of the article isn't as bad as the headline. Mm-hmm. But it is. I mean, they she literally said that the elites should have more say. And I'm like, I don't... The, the Democrats and the left and, you know, labor in England, all that crap, it's supposed to be the party of the middle class and the working class, like the, the people who are, who are fighting to live and they're supposed to be the champions, blah, blah, blah. Like those people are scared of words like the elites. Mm. That's why Bernie Sanders is doing as well as he is, because there are a lot of people who hate the elites for very good reason. Right. So it's like not only are these people... The corporate press, not only are they the enemy of the people and, you know, they have their agenda and they're going to push their agenda. I mean, even if it's obvious. So they they have really become the the party of the elites that, you know, they, they're the party of the limousine liberals now, which is why I think 
Trump picked up a lot of that middle America vote in 2016 that that would have trended toward a Democrat, toward like a, a union, a pro-union Democrat. Right. But yeah. they just they keep doubling down on this elite social justice Mindset. warrior nonsense. And uh, yeah, and they're they're losing what used to be their base. What was their base when we were kids? Right. Well, and, and if you actually look in the UK, Boris Johnson won as the prime minister this last election not that long ago. And Jeremy Corbyn, the leader of the Labour Party, lost. And the Labour Party, who is the, just like the Democrats are supposed to be, the party of the people, the party of the working class. Well, Jeremy Corbyn, first off, is a Stalinist. Like he's straight up authoritarian leftist. But they lost the worst that they have ever lost since 1938. And do you think that that's going to play out similarly in uh, 2020 here? I, I think I think that the the Democrats are going to be blindsided again in this election because they just keep doubling down on this, you know, Trump derangement syndrome nonsense. And I, they, we talked about this the last episode. They keep doubling down on all this stuff that's not working. Well, yeah, and I think I do. I think that Boris Johnson, he he won because of Brexit, because of how bad Jeremy Corbyn was, and because of what Trump did over here. And I think that that he actually stepped down. Jeremy Corbyn did. So the Labour Party is trying to pick themselves up, and so they hired a, or they didn't hire, but a some women kind of took over the reins after Jeremy Corbyn left and they essentially went they went with the uber social justice route and were taking up for trans rights and this that and the other and it's that's failing on them as well and i think that they and the democrats they're paying attention to the vocal minority instead of paying attention to the people who are working hard who are having a hard time as farmers as factory workers etc and they're doing this far left uh, socially libertine, trans, gay, blah, blah, blah stuff that most people that are trying to get the votes from are just not interested in hearing about that. Right. And and it kind of makes sense with how modern politicians are so enamored and ensconced in, you know, leftist Hollywood and the entertainment industry. So So these uber leftist SJW bubbles in Hollywood and the entertainment industry and, you know, television and all that stuff that it's almost as though the politicians are following their lead and ignoring middle America, uh, which is exactly, you know, Trump went hard for middle America. Like he, he really spoke to middle America, to the people, you know, the blue collar workers and and talking about bringing jobs back to America and stuff. And the left just ignored them because to them, they thought that they thought they'd clinched it. Yeah, they thought they clinched it. And they thought that that the prevailing voice voices on the left were all, you know, more interested in trans rights and social justice um, because they're they're in, like I said, they're in these, you know, leftist Hollywood bubbles. And that's what those people believe, but that's not America. Look at, at these, um, what was this last award show with, uh, David Brent? I forget his real name, Ricky Gervais. Golden Globes. Yeah. And he just goes hard at Hollywood and just humiliates them. And when I was, you know, looking at the, um, 
you know, the f- Facebook posts afterward, you know, shared by, you know, news sites and stuff, just kind of sharing video clips of his jokes. People from all over the political spectrum were like, hell yeah, finally, like, put them in their place, what they deserve. That's where most of America is. Like, most of America, in my opinion, is not super concerned with all this social justice this what would you call it what what let's we need a word to just describe that mindset besides social justice warriors well i mean it's the it's the evangelical left there you go is what it is and that's and that's the thing like they they really want for everyone in those areas they want to keep the people that are in the unions and that are pro union but they haven't reprogrammed those people yet they're trying to mm-hmm. And they're trying to make them NPCs that that follow the SJW evangelical left line on everything, but they're not going to get it. They're, the the boomers aren't going to going to change their mind on drag queen story hour overnight. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. My eyes just glaze over when talking about electoral politics. <laughs> I can't <laughs> be like. Uh, ugh. Nama. <laughs> Nama. Well, that's the thing. The the only good thing that comes out of electoral because because if you start to see it as like a show and you start to see it as a circus, you know, as entertainment mm-hmm. and you pull out the stories that are that are funny or that are interesting, it makes it so much better. If you're not being too serious. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people seriously try to determine if Bernie Sanders or Biden is gonna win something. And that's so boring to me unless they start yelling at each other. Yeah. Yeah. Plus, uh, Sanders doesn't stand a chance. I'm sorry. It, it's been the nominee has been chosen. They're not going to let it happen. Yeah. yeah. And one, well, it's like uh, one of one of the reporters went and talked to uh, the Crypt Keeper. Um, I mean, the Congresswoman Maxine Waters about who she was going to endorse and are you going to endorse Biden? She was like, I'm not ready to to endorse anyone yet. And she was like, Well, it just depends on who can beat Trump in the election. And so the, the reporter asked, do you think Biden can beat Trump in the election? And she said, I don't know. We'll see. It's not a good look to have Maxine Waters, this crypt keeper looking bitch, to say that she doesn't know if Biden can beat Trump. Yeah, well, you know, to be honest, I, does anybody listen to what that corpse says? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like... Does anybody take her seriously? Why was she even being interviewed? Who who has any interest in hearing what that woman has to say? I I, I couldn't tell you. But the last thing that has to do with electoral college uh, or electoral politics, so we can get some of that glaze off your eyes, is you know, over the last three years, they've said that Russia interfered in the election and Russians interfered in the election, and how people from other countries shouldn't inf- interfere in our elections, etc. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard that a couple times. Sure. Well, there are some students in Canada who are campaigning for Bernie Sanders, and in my opinion, uh, they can fuck off. Yeah, they need to go away. Now, you you mentioned this earlier <laughs> that they have actually set up phone banks. The First of all, I, if you are driving to a, a phone bank, to actually cold call strangers on behalf of a reptilian politician. <laughs> Cause let's be honest, they're all evil yeah. reptilians. They're, they're not human. Then you've got some problems, man. Like who Well, and 
as I was reading it, it seemed like it was less of a physical phone bank as much as it was apparently there are no laws against people from other countries campaigning for our president or different candidates. And so they can go on uh, Sanders' website and sign up and get, and they'll, they'll be sent a list of phone numbers of Americans that they can call or text to campaign for Bernie Sanders. What is, why do they want Bernie Sanders? Who are these people? So the article that I'll link in the, the show notes, they are just uber leftist college students, and they feel like if Bernie Sanders wins, then that will make it possible for Canada to go even further left than they are right now. Yeah, they just it's one step closer to their worldwide leftist utopia. So, yeah, there are Canadians out there that are trying to get Bernie Sanders to win. Yeah. And honestly, I just hope I hope they get the coronavirus. So, well, yeah, that's going to happen. I don't know if you saw this. I assume that you did considering you made the document that we're referencing right now. Uh, the WHO <laughs> says that the coronavirus is a pandemic. They have officially labeled it a pandemic, which they actually held off on for a little while, didn't they? Yeah. Well, and, and I, one thing I, I, I really want to mention is, uh, have you ever played the game uh, Plague, Inc.? No, but I keep seeing it on my app store as trending. Yeah. So Plague, Inc. is a game where you get to choose... A, you get to choose to be a virus, bacteria, fungus, etc. And so you create a, a a sickness that you what the the goal is to to infect everyone on the planet and then to kill them all with the disease. And so there is a <laughs> I found it today and I'll, I'll if I can find it again I'll I'll send it to you. But there is a infographic like an uh, an interactive infographic of coronavirus who it's hit what's happening how many people have died how many people have recovered etc and it looks way too much like the game plague inc really yeah it looks way too much like it <laughs> yeah it's crazy i i keep looking at those at those maps with the red blobs and they're just growing and growing and growing it's crazy it is officially a pandemic. Yeah. 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 Which it's weird that like, isn't there a textbook definition for the word pandemic? I mean, it's been a pandemic for a little while now, right? Isn't it? It's all, yeah. it's all continents or something. Yeah. And I, and I think it has to have a certain level of an, uh, not infectivity. That's not a word. I don't think. <laughs> is it? Um, no. Infectiousness. Infectiousness is what I would think. I don't, I don't, I don't know, but yeah, there, I don't. Let's let's Google it. Let me Google act, it. Oh, I just did. It says pandemic adjective of a disease prevalent over a whole country or the world. So yeah, it's been since it was in China. It's been a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, apparently. But yeah, so they have officially started actually using the word pandemic. It's getting it's getting pretty sketchy out there, and like I don't know, you know, I I don't know what to believe because. The media wants to sensationalize it so much. I, and in fact, just as an, an aside, I mentioned this to you briefly earlier today, but you have the people that are panicking over this. And then you have all the people that are saying that the media is purposely sensationalizing it. Right. Yeah. My default kind of position on that was that, yeah, I, the media is sensationalizing a little bit, but I think it's more of kind of a natural acceleration of the story rather than they're sensationalizing it with any real ill intent. You'd think. <laughs> uh, 
Unless you're red pill. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I, I kind of thought it was just the natural momentum of the story everybody's talking about and stuff. But then I open up my uh, Google News app earlier today, and I never opened that app up. It's, in fact, this may have been the first time. And I just checked it out, and every headline on the front page was about coronavirus. And it was every, every organization was like in hyperdrive spin mode to use this pandemic to make Trump look as bad as possible. It was like none of the none yeah. of the stories were, you know, just general coronavirus information when I looked at it. It was all about Trump and how he's doing a horrible job managing this and how his presser was ridiculous and all this stuff and it's like now I, I believe that yeah, they may be sensationalizing this just to use it as ammunition against the guy that they don't want in the White House. Yeah, and it's what was the there was a uh, a tweet that I shared that I can't I, I can't find right now, but tech gummit, I hate it when that happens. But it was a list of of things because people are trying to use it to their advantage, and it was like what what uh, coronavirus is teaching us right now, and it was like we need uh, Medicare for oh, all. Yeah, we need yeah, and it was just this list of progressive causes, and I was like, it's almost like someone might get the idea that this was engineered so that you could make this point. Yeah. 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 And, and <laughs> you're probably referring to them engineering the story, but I actually do believe that this virus was engineered by the Chinese and I think it got out, you, you know, I, I don't think they meant to let it out, but that whole, that, that whole story about eating some bat in a Chinese wet market. <laughs> uh, I don't buy that. <laughs> I reported on that and it was, I just wanted to talk about bat buttholes. Yeah. But I found, I found the, the tweet. It was from a guy named Skylar Johnson. And he said, uh, schools are, schools are closing. Where do I send my children? How do I afford healthcare? I can't afford to take off work. I don't have guaranteed housing. If I leave school, the issues the virus is causing are literally everything progressives have been trying to fix for years. Ugh, smug douchebag. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, well, that's the thing. Like, I don't, I, I believe that there are conspiracies, but I'm not a tinfoil hat. Right. Yeah, me too. And so it's one of those things where I, like, if you, if you show me enough evidence, I'll be like, okay, so that probably happened, but I'm not looking for, I mean, the fact that it came out of Wuhan, China, where they have a biological weapons laboratory yep. is a little convenient. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. There's a lot of stuff, but what's what's funny is the the corporate media they they've also shifted because you remember they changed the official name from everyone calling it coronavirus to calling it COVID nineteen, mm -hmm. and immediately I hated that. But I didn't know why. I didn't know why they changed it. But all I knew is they are suddenly changing the parlance, and there has to be an agenda behind that. Apparently, people were calling it the Chinese coronavirus. Or the Wuhan coronavirus. And apparently, according to the World Health Organization, that's a part of the UN, that's racist. Well, what isn't racist these days? <laughs> well, yeah, when you realize that the, the left, the, the religion of the left, the um, progressive religion is based around racism and that racism is and slavery are the our original sin. Mm -hmm. 
they find a way to make that part of their their talking points no matter what. So for months, they've been calling it the Wuhan coronavirus or the Chinese coronavirus, and then they changed it to COVID-19. And now, uh, what's that guy's name? Uh, Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, the guy who's on MSNBC or CNN, one of those leftist rags, Fredo. Fredo was on the air with someone, and they were talking about how racist it was to call it the Wuhan virus or the coronavirus, and and how Republicans can't get past uh, their racism to stop calling it that. When for months that guy and everyone else on their team called it the Wuhan virus or the the Chinese coronavirus. God, and you know that that kind of that's. So I, I think I mentioned last week on the show that like, you know, I my journey to libertarianism was by way of conservatism. And, you know, I was a Republican for a while and I, I don't I don't really consider myself a conservative or a Republican anymore. I, I just consider myself a libertarian. But yeah. my God, I still cannot stand the left. I, I like like I yeah, have, no. <laughs> I, I can tolerate the right, you know, but the left, the just, so my, my big issue with them is this attitude that they have the moral high ground in every issue yep. and everything comes down to race and, you know, they're standing up for the little guy and they have the moral authority and that kind of just smug attitude <laughs> that they bring into every issue down to the fact that people on the right are referring to it as the Wuhan coronavirus, where, you know, like you said, everybody had been doing that for months, but they they bring that smug, condescending, moral high ground attitude into it, and it just drives me up a wall, dude. Well, they were literally condescending to the president for calling the virus foreign. <laughs> For stating that it came from a place other than the United States, which, by the way, the Chinese are claiming that Trump brought it to China. <laughs> I was just thinking today, what if what if Trump was patient zero? What if he was like, I had a very nice Chinaman make me a bowl of bat soup in a <laughs> China wet market? You know, and like he was the one that just kicked this whole thing off. But it was just like he was... <laughs> you know, kind of a buffoon and didn't realize what he was doing. And now we have this global pandemic. Well, there was a guy, I forget where he was from, some foreign foreign guy that was linked to an ambassador, went and spoke to the president and shook his hand. And then two days later, he was uh, diagnosed with a coronavirus. Yeah, it was a Brazilian guy, wasn't it? Yeah. And then a couple of days later, I saw that there was another person that was within somewhere around Trump as well who had the coronavirus and he'd coughed on his hand and then shook the president's oh hand. And I, I, I learned this online on Twitter. And so when I saw the pictures and I saw this guy that had done this on accident, I then noticed that the NPCs on Twitter were calling the man a national hero for possibly infecting the oh president. Oh my gosh. I can't, dude, I can't stand him. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Trump derangement syndrome strikes again. But he did get tested and apparently he doesn't have it. So, but I I, I did joke around with people saying that I thought that it the coronavirus was was just a plot to kill the president. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, it is it does seem to be like specifically engineered to take out boomers, right? Like that's Yeah, and in Generation Z, they're calling it the boomer remover, and that's my favorite yeah, thing. Yeah. I you you mentioned that to me <laughs> earlier and I already have started throwing it around Facebook. I've already <laughs> I've already commented with that name in multiple threads. I wish I could claim that I made it up, but I saw it and it was it was from someone in Gen Z and I was like, God, that's so yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> I know like like one of my one of my friends today posted um he was all upset because they canceled the Masters tournament. And I was like, Well, you know, if there's anywhere that you want to be careful about the boomer remover running rampant, it would probably be at a golf tournament, right? Yeah. <laughs> Like that just that wipe yeah. out like ninety percent of the organization. Yeah, that's how you kill my grandfather too. What? I said that's how you kill my grandfather too because he's just golf man. Uh, like that's his whole like every house he's lived in has been within walking distance of a golf course. Yeah, I don't. I, I played a little bit when I was younger, but I, I don't get the appeal. I guess as you get older, it's like you're not going to be running around a basketball court anymore. So maybe that's maybe that's why. <laughs> <laughs> Boomers like it so much. I was curious about it as a kid, but then my grandfather decided to teach me, and he's the most perfectionist person on the planet, and he would not let me swing the club until my hands were perfectly placed on the club. Mm. Like he w- and then and then once I finally got that, he wouldn't let me hit the ball until my practice swing was just right. And so he talked me right out of yeah, it. Yeah, it just sucks all the fun out of it. <laughs> but there, there is a lot of worry about the coronavirus. You know, the the president has he stopped travel coming from Europe and from Italy, and he even included the UK and um, Ireland. But they're trying to get this to stop spreading, and they're refusing people the ability to come over here from other countries, which isn't the worst thing that will happen. I feel like things are going to get worse before they get better. If you look at Italy, they have essentially gone to martial law and people are people who have are found to have the virus are quarantined to their houses mandatory right and the healthcare system is completely overwhelmed the the return of death panels essentially right and i read just like maybe 20 minutes before we started talking that they they are actually telling people that there should be an age limit on icu entrance Mm -hmm. Uh, but there was one woman who was quarantined with her husband in Italy and her husband died of the coronavirus and she was stuck in the house with her dead husband for two days. Awful. The, apparently the, the, the official, I, I believe it was the mayor of whatever city they're in said that, um, well, this wouldn't have happened if he didn't refuse to get uh, to be transferred to a hospital. So so the guy apparently, you know, contracted the virus. They said, we need to get you to a hospital. He said, no, he died in the house, uh, according to, you know, the whatever regulations they have going on right now. They couldn't go in to remove him for two days. Yeah, they couldn't touch the body. Right, right. So the essence of that story is that. A boomer was typical boomer stubborn about going to the hospital, <laughs> and it led to this horrible series of events. I don't know what it is about boomers. And the, the poor woman, the poor woman was out on her balcony screaming yeah. for help, and they're just like, "We can't, we can't go." Yeah. Oh, 
And you you know that it's it's easy for things to devolve, and people people are ridiculous even here. And like they've they've can't well they canceled the the NBA season, mm-hmm. right? What else that you said they canceled? They, I think they Masters. I think they've now canceled. Yeah, they, Masters. I think they now canceled hockey. Right. Uh, the big one for me, the the only one that I really care about is the um the Australian Grand Prix for Formula One was canceled, and you know at this at this rate, I'm sure. The many, many more races are going to be canceled. Oh, there's going to be, I mean, well, Georgia and Louisiana canceled their primaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're not going to have their, their democratic primaries. They actually pushed them off. Uh, Georgia's was supposed to be in March and now it won't be till May 19th. And Louisiana's was supposed to be like April 4th. And now that one won't be till June 20th, which if I remember correctly, the DNC national, the, the national convention typically happens in June. Yeah, and I was I was just gonna say as as my eyes start to reglaze because we're talking about this crap again. By the, <laughs> like, imagine what this is doing to the campaigns. So so Biden, I don't I don't think we actually touched on this earlier, but didn't Biden say that he's gonna start doing virtual town halls or, or virtual um, yes uh, campaign events? Yeah, and he's he's done some live streaming and. My God, he sounds like an idiot there too. Like it's it's even worse than his yeah, dude. So I gotta tell you, I I think most of these national politicians are pretty evil. But there's a part of me yes. listening to Biden the last few weeks that I'm starting to feel bad for him because he's he is well he's deteriorating before our eyes. Well, he's not he's not the most evil one out there. You know, he's not Hillary right. Clinton. Yeah, if it was Hillary, I wouldn't feel bad. <laughs> I think that they're all evil, but I think that I do feel bad for him. But at the same time, it's such a perfect object lesson about how the state works, how the deep state works, how the establishment gets their way. And it's crazy because the thing that you need to watch out for is all the coverage that corporate media is going to put out for Biden. So it was like when he was on stage in the debates and couldn't remember Obama's name. Or when he was not making, he confused his wife for his sister or all these other things. And they may have been jokes. Some of these things may have been taken out of context, sure. But you'll watch the the corporate media immediately make excuses for Mm -hmm. him. So when he couldn't remember Obama's name, after being in the public life for what, 39 years or something like that, since he was 29 years old, Biden has been in public office. And he never had an issue with a stutter. But the corporate media, when he started uh, having trouble with his words, they started saying, oh, well, he had an issue with a stutter when he was younger. And that's all you're hearing is he has an issue with a stutter. You wouldn't make fun of Sully, would you? Yeah, when he was like, like, what are you talking about an issue with a stutter? So he's been out and out in the public eye since what you said, what, 29 years old. So when was the stutter when he was 12? I think he's overcome it. Well, it's just. Yeah, and it's 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 and what's funny is I there was one place where someone had made that claim and he was like I don't have a stutter <laughs> and you know that that reporter was going shut up old man we're trying to yeah. help you yeah and it's like <laughs> you know a lot of the stuff that really kind of makes me feel bad for him has nothing to do with a stutter I mean he's just it's almost like he's speaking nonsense like like it's it's just not he, he he's not making any sense. Did you see that debate or town hall he was in when something in his eye popped and his whole eye filled with blood? Yeah. 
strange. Yeah, and it's like this is an old man. If he becomes president, right now the oldest president that entered office is Trump. Before that, it was Ronald Reagan, who I think was 69, and Trump was 70. And if Biden wins, I want to say he'll be like 78. Oh, my gosh. Is that is that right? Let me let me check. Yeah. Yep. I was right. Yeah. If he if he becomes president, he'll be seventy eight years old. The absolute oldest president ever. My God. I mean, think about that. Think about an eighty year old man in office. Right. And I mean, and what's his name? Uh, Sanders isn't that far behind him either. Wow. Well, I, regardless of his age, I don't think uh, I don't think he stands a chance. Anyway, I think it's. Well, Bernie Sanders is already 78. It's my It's funny. God. Isn't, isn't this the party that, you know, we're, we're It's a party of young yeah, people. Yeah, and and <laughs> weren't they aren't they always talking about getting away from straight old white men making all of the decisions? And these are the <laughs> these are the guys that are the front runners for their party. Like literally the oldest white men you could find. My god. But yeah, the coronavirus is is probably going to kill Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders. Yeah, you know, I got to say, with the coronavirus, it's like, I don't, you know, based on everything I know about it right now, like, I'm not concerned about the virus at all uh, for somebody, you know, my age, your age, whatever. I am a little concerned about it with people my my parents' age. You know, they're in their 70s. Um, So I think that they, they do need to be careful. But the thing that I'm most concerned about is... What you were talking about, how you think it's it's going to get worse before it gets better, and and you were talking about uh, Italy essentially in martial law right now, and I was thinking yeah. about you know they they made this quarantine zone in New York, and you know if they continue doing that kind of stuff, that's where violence kicks off. You know when you start fencing people in and telling them you can't leave this area. That's when things start getting testy and and things start getting violent. It's those kinds of ramifications that I'm more concerned about than anything. Oh, yeah. I've been saying for days that the panic is far more dangerous than the illness. Right, right. And, you know, a close second uh, on my list of concerns about it is, uh, and maybe it should be number one, is how the state is going to use this to curtail more of our freedoms. You know, what what is going to be the right. coronavirus equivalent of the Patriot Act? Right. Well, and and, and what's funny is there are those little uh, do you know who Q, do you know QAnon, the uh conspiracy theory the movement type thing? Yeah, yeah. So I'm yeah. I'm a little familiar with them. I don't really know much about what they believe. I don't know much either, but I was on Instagram the other day. Well, actually my wife was and she sent me screenshots because I hate Instagram so much but there there was this woman who was like oh don't be afraid of the coronavirus this is a secret military coup that Tr- president trump is using to get rid of all the pedophiles and all of the the bad guys that are uh, controlling all of us and the power is going to go right directly back to the people <clears throat> because of the coronavirus yeah, that's what's going and i'm like you you nutbags <laughs> <laughs> i know it is, and it's those tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists that make us all look bad all i'm saying is that the virus was engineered in a biological research center whatever it is in wuhan you know my conspiracy theory yeah. is pretty reasonable by comparison yeah definitely is and i'm pretty sure it's just yeah. true <laughs> yeah i mean there even there's even some talk about they ran a simulation of 
a coronavirus not that long ago. Yeah, there's before it started getting so out. So there's um there, there's all kinds of little details that are just it, it's too much to overlook. They don't come to the you know front of my mind right now, but there's all, there's all these little details uh, like where it occurred and some things that kind of led up to it occurring. And there's this podcast that I listen to periodically called Mysterious Universe. And it's like it's kind of just a fun, goofy podcast about, you know, all kinds of stuff from like aliens to just the paranormal and stuff. But the guys are they're they're pretty well grounded. Usually, you know, they don't necessarily believe all these kooky conspiracy theories it's it's usually more about entertainment but in the beginnings of their shows for the last few weeks they have been covering the coronavirus and they've been talking about all these little coincidences that that kind of make it look like something more than just an accident so yeah i i definitely believe that i wouldn't be surprised but do you want to talk about some sad shit before we finish up i guess (laughs) this has been I started my day out with uh, forking over a crap ton of money to the federal government, and now I'm going to end it on some sad news. It's a great Saturday. Great Saturday for Chuck. (laughs) Saturday. Um, But yeah, so there was some... (laughs) Did you... How about that delay in how long it took me to get that? I'm so tired right now. This... This episode has been a disaster. You better like edit this to make us sound like not retarded. <laughs> I, I do it every time. All right. Good. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we found out this last week that um, Chelsea Manning, who was once Bradley Manning, the whistleblower that gave documents over to WikiLeaks and let the public know about some war crimes that our U.S. military had been perpetrating in Afghanistan and in other areas. Some background, if you don't know, uh, Bradley at that point, he, um, who is now she, which I I struggle with, I don't know about you, Chuck, but I I struggle with the cognitive dissonance of calling a a person that I have seen as a man she after the fact. Like, my brain tells me that's a boy. And so, like, I struggle with... (laughs) Switching over and saying she. Yeah, I. Not that I have anything against these people, but you know, it's my brain goes no, 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 no. That's that's not what we know. Right. Yeah. I I I am usually in the same boat, but I did not follow the story, so I've only ever really known her as Chelsea Manning. So I think I got it. Uh, I, I'll get it right. But <laughs> the uh, the the ACLU will be after you after this episode. <laughs> so. Back in 2013, Manning, who was then Bradley, now Chelsea, uh, was was a whistleblower. She took a, a bunch of documents from military sources and gave them to WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks disseminated them, and she was put in jail. Once she got into prison, then she, she moved from a he to a she and had 35 years in prison. And then Obama left office. Right before he left office, he commuted Manning's sentence. And then last year, they caught Julian Assange in the Ecuadorian embassy, and the U.S. wanted to indict Assange. And so they called Manning back into, back into court to speak in front of a grand jury to give all of her testimony that said that she had worked with Assange and given him credentials so that he could get into and steal information from the United States federal government and their intelligence agencies. 
Manning said no, said that she would not do that again, that all of the information that she had given in her earlier court case was good enough and that they should share that and refused the subpoena and refused to do anything that they wanted her to do. So at that point, the judge decided that he was going to put Manning in jail and I think it was contempt of court, and that she would be in jail for as long as it took for her to come back and testify. And that every day that she refused to testify, they would charge her $1,000. So this last week, after being in jail for 250 days, Manning attempted suicide. This was the third time that Manning had attempted suicide while in jail, twice before when she was on her first 35-year stint. But she tried to hang herself, and then days later, the judge just happened to decide, oh, well, she, she tried to kill herself, so she can be out of jail now. We don't need her testimony. Was that a good uh, putting it up in a, in a little package? Yeah. Charlie? Yep. I like your package. <laughs> and Thank you. I, it goes without saying, I suppose, that he pardoned her from having to testify, but she still owes that $250,000 as far as we know. Yeah, no, I actually read that the judge said, yes, she can be let out of jail, but she has to pay back every single one of those $250,000. Oh, my God. Which this is a person who has been, who was in the military and then went straight to prison for a 35-year stint and then went back to jail not that long after. Right. So this person is destitute. Manning doesn't have any money, much less $250,000. Unbelievable. All for the crime of uh, bringing to light American war crimes. It's funny because you mention this to people that aren't pro-freedom, aren't pro-liberty, and people on the left that aren't remotely pro-liberty will say that Manning's a traitor. So will people on the right. But all during the impeachment thing, they were trying to say that Rand Paul was evil for mentioning the whistleblower's name about the Ukrainian phone call with the president. And they were like, oh, we're so pro-whistleblower. But all of these people, except for maybe a handful, are silent when it comes to Julian Assange, who's an, who was born in Australia, but the, the U.S. wants to bring him over and, and fry him. And Manning tries to kill herself, and they don't say a word. Hmm. I'm sorry, it, it, it disgusts me, and I think you could tell in the change of my tone. <laughs> yeah, this... Uh... <laughs> This you really tanked the energy in here. Um, so <laughs> not not that we had a whole lot of positive energy going into this. What we talk about federal taxes, Weinstein, the Democrat primaries, which is just more boring than anything. The coronavirus, and now Chelsea Manning, which is a terrible story. But we're we're going to close out with yet another terrible story, one that is possibly even uh, more maddening. Yeah, I mean, I am I am glad that Chelsea Manning is no longer in prison, but, you know, she tried to commit suicide, but at least she's still alive. The same cannot be said for Duncan Limp, who was a guy in Maryland who... <sighs> I couldn't get any clear information on what he supposedly did. Yeah, and there's a reason for for that uh, right now. But the the police broke into his house at 4.30 in the morning. He was asleep next to his pregnant girlfriend, and they broke in. They started shooting. They threw in two flashbang grenades, which are... are the flash. People think that flashbangs are just like little tiny balls that Batman throws and it makes a flash and it's it. But these are weapons. Mm -hmm. Flashbangs are what set the fire at Mount Carmel in Waco. And this story reminds me, it's like flashes of Waco. 
So this this guy, Duncan Limp, apparently at first the police were saying that it was because of how did they put it? Uh, uh, firearms offenses, I believe, is what they said. Firearms offenses, right? Right. And Something that was just not specific at all, and really, it looks like just a red flag law takedown that went wrong. Like I'm sure all of them do. Right. So what's what's fun? And I know you read it too. The reporter that we read the story from went to the police to get the records. And the police let them know that in order to get those records, they had to go through the Maryland Public Information Act, which uh, entitles government agencies to delay responding for weeks or months. And even the search warrant that the police had to enter his house is sealed for 30 days. Right. So that's why kind of your details on the on the story are a little hazy right now. We're basically going off of what uh, was initially said was the cause of them entering his home. The, their initial claim was that they entered the house to serve a warrant over firearms offenses. But... Now they have uh, sealed these documents, uh, so we can't get all the information, which is essentially just kind of, in my opinion, a way to kind of let the story, the momentum that the story has die out, you know, so they can hold this, like you said, this information for weeks or months. And you know how the how the news cycle is. This story is going to fizzle out over the course of weeks and months, not to mention not to mention that they give cover to the police to build a wall. I mean, it's building a wall between us and the truth. And during that time, people who are bootlickers, blue line, American flag waving cop suckers are going to be able to say, well, you don't know the whole story. Mm -hmm. You don't know what he did. And so even if the story does continue because of the haziness of it, they they have protection. Right. So it, it buys them time. It buys them protection from those people. And it, it buys them time in terms of the story fizzling out. But it also buys them time in terms of, you know, giving them an opportunity to really think about how they are going to tackle the questions that are going to come out about this, you know, how to allow them to build a narrative, essentially. Right. So, yeah, that I had never heard of what's it called? The Maryland what? Public Information Act? Yeah. I, I would like to look more into that because that seems like it's just a transparent way for them to be able to control news stories, you know, yeah. before before word gets out about the atrocities that they're committing. Well, and, and I know you've seen this, but when police do something that they're proud of, they take pictures of it and they post it. Right. And so um, on Friday evening, uh, the police department actually posted photos of five firearms that they seized during the raid, which all five of those firearms were completely legal. They weren't modified, but they didn't happen to post the uh, photo of his bullet-ridden corpse. They kept that out of it for some reason, mm -hmm. uh, but they were happy to post photos of getting some guns from someone. They also didn't post photos of his likely terrified and supposedly injured pregnant girlfriend who he was sleeping next to at the time. Right. Well, I mean, it's it's amazing that they're willing to enter a house at 4.30 in the morning when people are asleep. And then they say that there were firearm offenses, and then they changed the story. They, they've already modified their story and asserted that Limp had confronted the police officers, which could mean anything. Like, it could literally mean that he stood up in his room when police officers with guns entered it. It could have meant that he grabbed a gun, which he had every right to do. 
if a bunch of people with guns enter your room in the middle of the night at 4.30 in the morning, you grabbing a gun, I think that's fine. Yeah, that I don't know seems pretty you. reasonable to me. <laughs> but yeah, so they've already changed the story, and it's going to keep changing until they, they hit the one that, that totally justifies what they did. Right, and you know, like we said, they've bought themselves time, and I would say that likely in the mainstream media, this story will kind of fizzle out. It won't be mentioned or circulated very much within the next few weeks. But luckily, this seems to be gaining the attention of, you know, liberty circles, the, the circles that we kind of spend time in. Hopefully, those people will be able to kind of keep the story alive and, and really get to the bottom of what happened in the coming weeks and months. And it won't just disappear entirely. No. Well, and just final things is apparently they were trying to find out why he was targeted. And one of the one of the reasons was that he was a quote unquote prohibited person. What does that which mean? He was it means he was permitted from uh, or not permitted. He was prohibited from owning firearms. And that could literally just mean that he had a permit to use medical marijuana. Mm. And, you know, he, of course, he he was actually one of us. I mean, I'm not, I don't know his, his history, but the last thing he tweeted before he died was that the constitution is dead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think he had talked about maybe militias or something, but if you're going to be shot by the police because of one of those stupid, stupid red flag laws, I can't imagine a better tweet to end it with because that's true. Yep. Absolutely. So unfortunately we have to leave this on a, uh, a sad note, but, uh, again, Chuck, thank you for joining me to talk about sad stuff and things that make your eyes glaze over. Yeah, maybe um. <laughs> maybe next week we should kind of flop this. You know, we'll we'll end on the more positive stuff like, well, I guess it wasn't positive, but it was <laughs> Never mind. We opened up with pedophilia. <laughs> Never mind. I like I was so excited to talk about Weinstein, my brain thinks that it's a positive story, but it's not. <laughs> But yeah, next week I will find a stupid story for us to end on. I just forgot to do it. Uh, but yeah, with that, thank you guys for for listening. You can you can find me and Charlie on Twitter. I'm the only one who's going to do it, but I'll I'll send him the highlights. But you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon. If you just just type in this is MLGA. Uh, if you'd like to email us, send one to this is MLGA at MLGANetwork.com. So hit us up, send us some funny stories so that we don't kill ourselves after we record. While you're at it, check out all of the other shows on the MLGA network. I'm not going to name them this time, but thank you. Thank you, Chuck. You guys stay sane. See you.